Good morning and welcome to the Agile People podcast. I'm joined today with by Bala Asarbetham and the Agile People Collective of Vera and Flo Kaminska. Today we're going to be talking about boundary spanning. Bala, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, David. Thanks for the invite. Thank no you all of you. All. Yeah, lovely to see you. Lovely to see yeah, you. Same here. Same Yeah. Okay, boundary spanning. You know, it's a big topic, one that we're all very interested in, one that we recognize, one that we see sort of lots of um, um, pain points of, of it not being um, well served in, in organizations in the community. Um, but yes, you've quite kindly put lots of examples, lots of practical tips to take away, lots of experiences um, that, that shows that it can make it work. Um, okay, so over to yourself, um, Bala. Um, I shall let you talk you talk you through what is boundary spanning. Uh, that's a good one, uh, uh, David. Um, so I remember that in the sunny day in Sweden when we all got together and we were all as a team of 19 people, we came together where we were discussing, debating, arguing, and uh, as well as walking out and thinking, reflecting, and working on. And uh, one of the manifesto, Agile People manifesto, which just came up, which clearly said that um, uh, uh, it's the manifesto number seven, which clearly gave an idea in terms of um, uh, pillar, we call it the pillar number seven, which said that Agile People harness the power of boundary spanning to facilitate proactive collaboration across organizational boundary barriers. The moment this particular word was coined by the team, I really got fascinated by that. And in my mind, the word boundary spanning was fascinating by itself. Yeah. And uh, so for me, I interpreted at the point in time in terms of, I could immediately see the various boundaries as a person that I'm operating myself as a person. In my mind, the boundaries that I set for myself and I could see people, various boundaries, individuals, teams, or organizations set, or the boundaries that I see in the organization, you know, in the society itself. That somehow it touched me, and I felt that okay, maybe this is something very interesting that I could step in and do something with that. And when I think about boundary as such, you know, it's very simple. As the word says, there is a boundary. It's a kind of a fence. In simple words, what's a boundary? It's a fence. It defines and demarcates a particular um, area and say, hey, this is mine and this is not mine. Yeah. And um, uh, a spanning is, is, the, is the bridge or the crossover. Mm -hmm. And we say that when you're able to cross over from my own thought and step into or have a visibility or the compassion to hear the other's people thought, then I know that I'm spanning the boundary. I'm extending the boundary, crossing the boundary, or sometimes even peeping into the other boundary as well, right? And as simple as that. So boundary spanning in simple terms, I call, I, I, I was looking for it and say, hey, what is the clear definition for it? I could not find it. Then in simple words, I said, it's a simply a behavioral trait. It's simply a behavioral trait, boundary spanning, that helps people to come together, collaborate, and co-create. That's how I define boundary spanning. 
Thank you, Bella. And, and in terms of that, um, so the, the, the phrase itself, was it coined at that session in Sweden by the Agile people that then found it made its way into the Agile people manifesto? And then, as you say, this, this chapter in the book on boundary spanning, um, that, that Agile people principles, your call to action for the future of work. Is, is that really where that phrase was coined in, in terms of, you, you mentioned that, that um, you couldn't really get a clear definition and it wasn't until you actually brought it together in terms of this chapter that it brings that definition to life itself. Is that That's fair to say? Thing. Yeah, because at the point in time, I realized that it's not coined there. It was already there. The only thing I could think of was that when I did my research on it, I, th I think certainly for Center for Creative Leadership, they did a program with that they used the word, you know, boundary spanning. Then mm -hmm. I also found uh, different sources here and there, you know, briefly mentioning about boundary spanning. Yeah. And, uh, but I could not see a cohesive, clear, you know, articulated article or uh, some detailed materials on that as much yeah. as at least as much as I tried. And Flo, go ahead. Sure. Hi, this is Flo Bala. Thank you ever so much. I've got a question okay. regarding, um, you know, the difference between boundary and spanning and maybe some of the forms of collaboration that you find in organization like cross-functional teamworks or cross-functional groups. So where would you set the difference here? Or how would you describe it? Okay, that's a good one. It's a sharp observation as well, Flo. Um, so in fact, boundary spanning is a trait. And when we say that it's a cross-functional team, that it's a consequence or the effect of boundary spanning. And the, the team have an, uh, you know, uh, the coziness to come and sit together and do mind their own business. But they decided that, hey, we need to come together to look at it. The beauty of this is that the, the outcome of uh, you know, a cross-functional team will not be the same the, as an individual, as a team. They cannot achieve it, the same outcome individually. Mm -hmm. So this outcome can only be achieved by teams coming together. So that is why you know, uh, the boundary spanning trait becomes the fundamental basis for even two people to collaborate together or two teams to collaborate together, two functions to collaborate, you know, organization units to collaborate, and even outside the organization to collaborate as well. That's why in my chapter, I elaborated on all of that and left some room for further exploration. Yeah. yeah. Great. Thank you. And um, Bala, if it is indeed a behavioral trait, how do you equip an organization with... Uh, a behavioral trait. So what, what are the conditions you need to create to foster and nurture that trait? Yeah, that once again, it's beautiful. And because it's a behavioral trait, you know, it's, it fundamentally starts with self, right? By the individual person. But as an organization unit, when we can look at it and say that that's just where some of the uh, leaders or the even every, any normal person can zoom in and zoom out and say that, hey, why am I doing this alone? 
then I can easily step over and show some curiosity to understand what is the function that I'm connected to? Who is receiving my service? Let's put it that way. And what would they expect from me? Can I, you know, can I just break my own silo and just look into others who, who, from whom I'm receiving something, I'm processing it, and who am I benefiting from my service? The moment I'm able to expand this simple one, then each people expand that, then you can already see a connected circle. So when we see that in the organization, there are certain issues or either they're struggling or grappling with. And the best way is that to bring in a connected, can we bring the stakeholder into the room and have a conversation? Then I'll step into systemic thinking and systemic team coaching. That's also an another aspect of it as well. Yeah. Now that's, that's fascinating in balance. You know, I'm, I'm from an HR background mm -hmm. and I was just thinking it through and uh, was wondering which kind of advice would you give to HR teams and organization to, to enable that um, uh, the introduction of that behavioral trait in the organization? Okay, uh, that's a beautiful thing. And today, you know, the simple thing that we can do is that just for me, the simple thing is to observe the organization. The first thing is observe and see. Do people operate in silos? Do teams operate in silos? Or functions operate in silos? What are the signs and symptoms that you see? What do you hear their struggles are, the pain points are? That is only the, based on observation. Second is that also you can observe the structure. Do you have people from the same experience, same mindset, you know, same culture background, you know? And uh, I, yeah, look at it and say that, hey, where is the diversity here? I even talk about, you know, in this chapter, in terms of your diversity, in terms of your thinking, in terms of your culture diversity, age diversity, experience diversity, and bringing diversity is a beautiful thing. The diversity provides a beautiful perspective to things. The, you know, it's scientifically it's proven again and again and again that the diverse teams far more, you know, perform far more better than a monocultural teams. And, it, and it, you know, and it seems so simple, Bala, doesn't it? Just to, to have that recognition and, and have, um, you know, teams, organizations take that reflection and to say, you know, what, what, what is the, the, the barriers that we are creating for ourselves? And it is those teams working in silos and, and not willing to communicate. And, you know, it takes people like yourselves and, 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 and others to have that, you know, to observe you know, another a great agile people coach um, um, principle really is is that observation and, and taking stock and as you say, listening, walking that gemba, if you like, to to sort of try and address from an organizational point of view what it is that's actually creating those restraints because they're, they're, it's such a stranglehold on innovation, creativity, and and for a business to thrive, isn't it? To to have those boundaries and not having you know those those 
um, innovators or, or, or just people um, within the organization who are willing to, to go beyond and look at that spanning. And it's, um, you know, it's the possibility of, of using external consultants to try and address, look at the problem that, um, you know, and replay it back to yourselves that you could have actually done it yourself if you took that reflective step and done the observation. And it doesn't seem to happen, does it? So, and that's why I guess we find ourselves in these, these, these problems where teams, organizations work in silos. I certainly see it from an IT delivery point of view. And you, and you mentioned again that in, in your chapter about, you know, that by introducing things like DevOps um, and, and, you know, and as the conversation you said to, to flow again, where it could impact or, or benefit HR as well. And, you know, greatly illustrated. So. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. And so one of the barriers that I clearly see is that um, lack of visibility. Yeah. If, you know, individuals come and just simply do the job and just leave the place. Teams simply come and do the job and leave the place. And they believe whatever the truth they have is the sole truth. They believe their thoughts are correct, their observations are correct, their assessment is correct, and they're simply getting rolled out within the organization. And um, uh, those things, the close-mindedness or a lack of visibility of what is being done, it creates such a big barrier. You don't have to employ an external consultant to do this. You know, can we make my, you know, my, my work visible? The moment it becomes visible, it gives an opportunity or it invites the other person to have a look at it. Yep. When they have a look at it, you invite question, hey, what do you think about this? And so to ask questions and open to listen, first of all, that changes perspectives. And in terms of that, um, um, Balo, so when you go to a client site and, and you, you're, you're engaging in that type of, you know, observation or monitoring and stuff like that, how receptive are, are they to that? Are, are they physically displaying those silos and boundaries that, that we perceive? Or because they're being monitored by someone like yourself, do they, the, 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 some of that behavior start to just slip away and almost they almost slip into boundary spanning just because they're being observed? Or are they still maintaining, you know, um, tight grips? Um, you know, this is what I do. I don't really care what anybody else does. So I work in my own little um, boundary, shall we say, or silo. Yeah, once again, what I'm hearing, um, uh, David, you asking is that um, what is the current practice in the organization? How am I experiencing it? You know, what am I seeing with my clients? And uh, as I go through this, I have a client, very large multi-billion organization. And they are extremely successful today, thanks to um, the current COVID situation and because many of the things are done electronically and um, digital business is a huge booming, boomed so much. But the challenge is that even though a technology organization and a business organization are coming together and the leadership teams are coming together, the question is that, do they truly communicate what exactly they are thinking, feeling, expecting, 
and clarifying. Still, in the highest levels, it's a struggle. Yep. Even for this technology teams to come back and say that, can I step out of my own comfort of, I know it all. I know it. they're experts, of course. They're world-class experts. For them to come out of that bubble and come back and say, hey, what are your pain points based on what have I delivered to you? You know, that is where beautifully we call that a buffering. You know, the two teams coming together and they start buffering. When they start, the boundaries are slowly dissolving and coming together. That slowly after some time, this become the co-created team. This all become one team. They are not two teams anymore because they empathetically listening, understanding and conversing, they become one. And their ecosystem slightly expands here at this point in time. So when they are becoming one, they have a you know simple ability. So human psychology is beautiful, David. Yeah. The moment you are being listened and asked and understood and appreciated, the pains are appreciated, and the sharing takes place, understanding takes place. The outcome is something beautiful. Ben, I've also got a question. And for you regarding you know, organizations spreading this spirit and this uh, behavioral trait uh, in the organization, from your experience and the customers that you're working with, are there any prerequisites uh, um, that you see in organizations that enable boundary spending? Prerequisite yeah. in terms of you know, organizational shapes or leadership or, you know, even maybe external factors as well. We're talking about COVID and some organizations that might need to reinvent themselves. So have you seen some prerequisites that commonly show um, throughout the customers that you, um, you work with? Yeah, see, once again, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a very nice question, um, uh, Flo. Um, what we see today is that I think as a humanity, we quickly realize that we're not alone. And nobody could, everybody could understand it, each other, empathize or sympathize with each other. The circumstances we're all, you know, facing today is because of COVID. And, you know, sooner or later, you know, organizations also the same thing. I'm not saying that somebody is standing up to say that I'm not collaborating. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to do this. Because the, the issue is that everything is settled. It's very, very subtle. People know that there are issues, yet they can't pinpoint that there is an issue. People know that the collaboration is to improve, yet they can't say that the collaboration is to really is to improve. Because they come together, they have a joint meeting, they talk to each other, they share, they understand the full system, how it operates. But the challenge as leaders, as an individual is that you need to observe things which are in your plain sight, and put a mirror and say, hey, this is what I'm observing. You're saying one thing, but doing another thing. As leaders, we should be asking things nobody dared to ask. As people, we'll come back and say that you ask, you know, simply when we bring pe new people into this organization, I, you know, the debate, you know, either it's a culture fit or a culture ad, right? And you look at, you know, culture ad, what would come and make your existing culture vibrant and expand? So look at, constantly look for traits in a person when you talk to them and say that what they have done to achieve what they have achieved. How did they achieve that? 
what is coming in the way? When something comes in the way, what did they do? Of course, I do not want to put down absolute experts who need to sometimes have the need to work alone and independent. We need them. But the question is that they cannot operate in that. If they will come, they need to come out of the labs, come out of their own work, and come out and share it with somebody in the organization who will benefit out of it. That just needs to be encouraged and shared. So the thing that I say is that it's complex. No organization say we will not collaborate. Nobody will say that. They'll outwardly, they'll do it. The question is to spot the what is said and what is being done and facilitate that and encourage that. In, even go to that extent of creating a systemic approach to that. Buddy, buddy system, it's a very tried and tested, very simple one. Cross-functional teams. That's why I gave that example of DevOps uh, in my chapter, where we talked about DevOps coming, development and operations coming. Incidentally, two people with an absolute varying value system. Development is about innovation and the operation is about stability. How do these two people with the contradicting values will come together and work together? Mm. I also gave another example in, of InBev in terms of when the procurement comes and as well as the, you know, in terms of sustainability, procurement is about cost reduction. Sustainability increases the cost in the beginning time. How did they come together through this help of supply chain to deliver great value to the organization and they met the CO2 norms very faster? So there are various ways we can do it as leaders. In various levels, we can see that. So that is an individual one, a collective one, and organization approaches to this. We can all focus on it and bring clear deliverables and visibility and promote this in the organizations. Yeah. Yes, it's please. a great point, um, Bala. Um, Vera's going to ask a question, but if I just draw you to the, the chapter in your book, I, I think what's great about it is, is that you give that practical example of the ones you've just mentioned there, and then you also have those reflection exercises. So, again, come back to that point. You don't need the, you know, the external consultant asking you these questions. These are questions you can ask internally. You know, things like, you know, what boundaries do you recognize within yourself and your organization? You yeah. don't need a, a, an, an external consultant to ask you that question. You know, if you if you a company that feels it's in trouble, not being innovative or not being creative enough or, or being bound by these band, uh, uh, um and boundaries, then, you know, these, these are questions that you can quite readily just ask, you know, um, and, and again, as you mentioned, um, things like making use of um, the buddy system, you know, is, 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 is a very simple way of, of tackling some of these, these um, clear issues. Okay, it, it might not um, factor in immediate change and, 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 and bring the rewards, that, the actions that you need, a step in that direction. Um, Vera does have a question, um, Bala. So, um, Vera, go ahead, yep, please. Yes. Bala, as an organization designer, what I see in many organizations is that uh, when you deal with boundaries, you deal with the identity of a team, of people, of a, a sub-team or something else, because you have boundaries that are designed or not designed. Uh, what's your opinion about uh, how to manage the identity stuff with the boundary stuff. What's your suggestion? 
Yeah, it's a beautiful observation that Virat on that. You know, and the word boundary is not in my in my view is not too bad. Family is a boundary, and when we say that, we know that hey, in this family, in this family, we know who is family and who is not. You know, boundary is simply a protection mechanism. Sometimes, we our houses have boundaries, our gardens have boundary that defines your space in a very simple way. You do what you want. That gives you comfort. I we call that as a psychological safety, physical safety, and more often the psychological safety. You play around and do what you want. It's your home. So we need to give that psychological safety to people structurally, so they belong somewhere. The question of the boundary spanning. The moment you move crosses the boundary, that creates actually a fear. You become very vulnerable. You're anxious. But the question in an organization is that: Can we expand that psychological safety? Can you create much more openness? That is the challenge we are dealing with. So, from a one single unit, our challenge is to expand it. So the whole organization. operates in a such a beautiful cohesive way so safe safe to ask safe to be challenged and safe to check my status quo and safe to develop and experiment how beautiful that would be but that is where i see this world in a massively expanded beautiful world what would happen if we if we if we expand our ecosystems bring our you know external suppliers and partners into your thinking you know we talk about purpose over profitability how can we include them as a part of the purpose larger things and expand it and the, the world will be a better place when we when we operate in a psychologically safe concern for each other and yet concern doesn't necessarily mean you don't have conflicts yes you will have patrick lancioni model is something i truly believe and i would encourage people to look at that how beautifully you can manage conflicts so once we do that it creates a totally different environment so that will give you the freedom to go and check in other functions you know and and contribute to that when asked for it or even voluntarily we call that a corporate citizenship as well overall so that's what in simple terms when we walk on the road when we see something on the road can i pick it up and put it up i know that it's not mine but as a corporate as a citizen you know you do it for the common good so this is about common good It's beautifully illustrated there, Bala. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, as you keep coming back to that that point, it's it's a human endeavor. It's a behavioral trait, isn't it? And 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 one that we, you know, as you've illustrated there, one that we we want all want to experience. And and for whatever reason, we're not experiencing that, are we? Yeah. But you know, something that I find really fascinating with what you're saying, as I'm getting. much clearer about boundary spanning thanks to our conversation here okay. is that it's 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 two things have come to my mind it's just the way that you said we are all interdependent 
it, to me, it, it seems that, you know, the um, agile principles are all interdependent, like a prerequisite to boundary spanning is psychological safety, right? So it works if you create this condition. So, so that this interdependence is also, you know, within agile and the manifesto yeah. and the principles. And the second thing, actually, is I find it very uplifting and empowering because it depends on us, right? Yeah. Of course, you can look at others and uh, be sad that they don't behave that way. But actually, it's, it's actually very empowering because you can do it. I mean, from, from now, you know, from uh, as, as soon as you kind of realize it, it could bring something to you. So that richness mm -hmm. of uh, just seeing what's out there, and then you do what you want with it. Uh, yeah. But at least to have that curiosity to go and have a look. Uh, and you can do that uh, immediately as an individual. And I find that very empowering and uplifting, actually. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, Flo. And once again, another very uh, very simple example comes to my mind, but it was very complex in that environment. With a client, once again, I faced this. They introduced a very large um, organization transformation program. Mm. And uh, 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 there, that's where I saw, uh, you know, the core HR team, it was only a HR team, which meant senior HR team. And the global HR directors, they all, they're in one particular group. And there is a, another group which are, you know, responsible for um, a particular CVOE, a center of expertise, let's put it that way, okay? And so we have introduced a new system into this. But what happened, first time this meeting, this meeting is collective meeting is happening, you know? And uh, so when this CVOE group came in and the HR directors who were receivers of service from CVOE, what suddenly happened was that, and there is a straight away they went into the content. Okay, this needs to be done, this needs to be done. No, there are so much of exchanges and the CVOE experts were very silent for a long period of time. And I have to raise my hand and say that, can I say something here? And observing, I'm sensing confusion and uncertainty here. Am I the only one? The hands were raising up. Then I asked them, I know that we all belong to the same team. This change has impacted us very significantly. Did we ask each other, what does this change mean for us? What does this mean for me? What does that mean for you? What am I clear about? What am I not clear about? Can, did we have this conversation? And they said, no. So in simple words, what I'm saying is this, teams come together. The question is that, they need to break that particular barrier of that silo. The boundary is still there. The question is that I can only come to your boundary when I let go of my safety and come to vulnerable place of being in your space. And you need to give me that space to invite me into your space and help me to look at your kitchen, right? And your challenges and your issues. When both people do, the boundary dissolves then it be, they become one. That's what I described that in the you know, chapter as well. This is a real case. They are very senior people. 
So what I'm saying is that, um, yeah, it always exists in organizations whether knowingly or unknowingly, and we need to spot it and be observant about it and practice it in the way that it becomes normal for us to do this. Yeah. Fantastic, Balan. So what I appreciate that, that given that example there, and I can see that you have a very sort of passionate involvement with boundary spanning and 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 that ability to sort of be able to influence and uh, um, with organizations in that way. That, that's been a great, fantastic listen to you there, Bala. Um, I, I wish I had that sort of level of calmness and, and insight into, into that. Um, and maybe maybe you and I have ch- chat at some point. Um, so this is, this is great conversation, loving it, loving it, Flo, loving it, Vera, loving it, Bala. Absolutely, let's keep it um, going. Now, just a, a reach out. So we're obviously Agile People. Um, you want to listen to more, you can obviously catch us on um, Agile People um, Captivate FM episodes on your podcast of choice, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, whatever that platform is. Um, if you want to know even more about that, um, ourselves as the Agile People Collective, um, to Bala, um, to the other trainers within Agile People community, come and join us at agilepeople.com. We will look forward to that and respond accordingly to any queries, insights that you wish to have. Let's continue the conversation. This is fascinating. Flo, Vera, anything more you wish to put to Bala? No, I'm just curious, I guess, Bala, of all the um, uh, principles uh, of the Agile Manifesto, why did you choose boundary spanning? Yeah. Um, as I said, the boundary spanning for me is that that's a very strong indication of the culture in the organization. But more than any of the others? Um, each of them have their own speciality, very frankly. One of the other things which I'm, uh, anything which is collective, I love it. I'm so happy, so delighted that you're all uh, collective as well yourself. <laughs> Something beautiful in that when people coming together and creating, you know, uh, connecting, collaborating, and co-creating, and that is something beautiful in that. In, that's why I specialize in that area, and I specialize in culture, and uh, and collaboration. I do that through coaching and consulting. This is the two kind of broad services that I offer through my firm, Feature Exceed. So uh, that is the beauty of this. If you are able to look at and look at the culture, I think, you know, time and again, we all have heard this. You know, P- Peter Drucker said it, you know, uh, a culture eats, uh, eats a strategy for breakfast. That's true again, again and again. Even this morning, I was in a conversation in, a, in my client place, where it's absolutely, that's an issue. That's a key topic. We focus on this. But the question is that the culture always exists. We are living in an organization. People call that as a system, but I'm, but it's a living system. The living system is predictable and also unpredictable. And we need to value that. And the system is constantly moving. So in a moving system, which has got multiple parts to it, you know, how can I operate in my silo and still expect the organization to deliver value both within and outside. That is where it fascinated me, that I've been able to see a smaller you know, system into expand it 
and create a beautiful culture for people to come collaborate and thrive and grow and deliver value to each other. And uh, um, within, within the organization and outside the organization, I think that's simply beautiful. That fascinated me. And that's what keeps me going on this topic. And, and, and that's the thing, um, Bala, as you mentioned in your chapter again, is that it's not, it's not just a single fix, really, is it? it you know, you mentioned yeah. there, too, it's, it's about achieving sustainable goals. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that start of the journey almost for, for a, an organisation to the, you know, continue. Um, you know. Yeah. So one of the challenges uh, which I always see is that not only you know the challenges of individuals and teams. Sometimes I've I've seen the leaders to be the cog in the wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, when I do a, a lead, you know, executive coaching or leadership team coaching, when we look at it, we always bring your you know stakeholders into the room. Recently, this is something you can do. Each of us can do. If I have, can offer that as a tip, whoever is the listening to it, if you're sitting with your team, with your own self, you know, go to your room, you know, virtually or physically, take care of the distance, and sit together. Close your eyes and think who my work serves. Who is benefiting from my work? Can I bring the stakeholder in the room virtually? Can I bring my stakeholders, stakeholder, their own clients into my room? So when you expand your thinking, what happens is that not five people are there in the room. There are almost 500 people are there in the room then you know that you're looking at the world in a totally different context. This is much more true for leaders, organization leaders. That's a very simple exercises that we do. So whom does your work serve? And when they look at it, their whole works take a totally different meaning and purpose. So what is that your clients are asking you to learn? What is that your customer want you to improve? What is that as an organization we should deliver together? So when you bring the thinking, I'm going to look at my work, not necessarily from my own you know, m- you know, perspective, myopic perspective, I'll have a broader perspective. I will not look at my own work with a particular uh, you know, uh, focus. I will look at somebody else's work with an empathy. But the challenges is, organization is to have a, I call that as a wide angled empathy. You know, it's like a lens, you know, you have a wide angle lens, you know, can I expand my empathy in a broader way? That happens. And that thinking starts with the leadership more often. And anybody, leadership is not a position, it's a mindset. Anybody can do it in their work. And then you will find that you operating with that stakeholder you know, mindset, you operating with a broader ecosystem mindset and bringing their expectation and their you know, challenges into your work. And then you quickly realize I can't do it alone. I need to collaborate. That's the beauty of it. Awesome. 
Appreciate that, Bala. Yes, that's been fantastic. Um, I feel I feel another episode um, coming on on this this subject and much more. You seem to be well versed in all the agile people principles, and um, yes, absolutely. And we share your enthusiasm um, and joy for that as well. Um, so we invite other people to come and join us. You know, that's the, the beauty of the agile people community um, to come and join us. And maybe at one point, um, Bala, we will invite you to the Agile People Collective as well. Um, it's an exclusive club, you know, but we, we're welcoming and friendly. Oh, absolutely. It's a delight <laughs> and a pleasure. You know, by, you know me by, by now that anything which is part of collective, I'm there. Absolutely. I'm also part of another group called, you know, a Curated Culture. Uh-huh. You know, uh, 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 but th- that's a, only we are a think tank. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our chat, our idea is to create the world to be a better place, especially in organization, to create a vibrant cultures in organization. How do you do that? And so, um, yeah, so that's a beautiful thing. These are all, you know, the more we are part of a large ecosystem, we can make impact the world and we can I simply challenge us to make the world a better place. Indeed. You know, awesome. and uh, be good, do good and be a force for good. That's what I believe in. Absolutely. And that's that's a great philosophy tip for us to finish on. Um, Balade, I do appreciate your time today. That's that's awesome. Um, Flo, Vera, any last question for Bala? Um, um, I think it's probably most, most applause and, and a, a big thank you for his time and his, his insights and reflections today. It's, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a continuing um, um, value, that's for sure. I think we've made a good friend today. Um, and so we'll continue that journey. Um, as I say, Flo, Bira, one last question. Oh, thanks, Bala, for your insights that are very... Uh, uh, enthusiastic and motivating us to do a better collective work, agile people work, and organization design work in a different way. Um, my last question is uh, always or often, not always, uh, we met organization that has a, a Tayloristic uh, shape, a Tayloristic uh, word. How do, do you start to put the boundary spending topic uh, inside? Okay, uh, as you say, the, the Tayloristic world is that uh, there is a defined process. Everything is measured. Everything outcome is you know anticipated. But that's not the world we live in. We live in a complex world, and you know this. We are living in a Foucault world, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. That is the world we live in. This calls for adaptive leadership, and that adaptive leadership calls for adaptive organizations. And that calls for adaptive individuals. I can only be adaptive if I know that how I coexist and co-create with others. That's where the collaboration comes in and as simply as a connection comes in. As individuals and leaders and teams, if you're able to be aware of it, conscious of it as a first one, observe it, be conscious of it and encourage it, I think we are surely going to make the world a better place. Awesome. Bala, from my, from my side, this is Flo, no question, but I wanted to thank you. I think it's been extremely inspiring. Uh, I love also the uplifting way that uh, you're describing, you know, boundary spanning and everything around it. Uh, if we span even beyond the boundaries of boundary spanning. And for me, the clarity also came through, I like the concept, but somehow I couldn't quite pin it down if someone had asked mm-hmm. me what it was. Uh, 
And uh, with this explanation around the behavioral traits and how, and this, um, this very simple con concepts, as you said about you know, the observation um, and the spanning beyond your own boundaries, the curiosity, the diversity has really made it very clear to me. So thank you very much for that clarity. I can take it away and apply it so it's even better. And it's not a model or it's not uh, some kind of exercise that I need to, uh, to, 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 to take away from it, but just um, this observation and this uh, uh, kind of empathy as well. So thank you. It's extremely uplifting and very interesting. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, David, Virat and Flo, it's absolutely a pleasure. I know it's uh, Agile People Collective. You're doing a fabulous job, and it's an honor and pleasure for me to have got invited and an opportunity to share my thoughts. And I know based on the energy that I feel and the experience, we can go on. And I'm certainly looking forward to um, uh, staying in touch with you people. Also encourage my fellow you know, uh, co-creators of Agile People Manifesto and Agile People authors to come and join this and share your thoughts. And make it, let's make it vibrant and enriching, and not only for us, once again, but also for everyone who hears it. So here we go. Looking forward to long more you know, uh, podcasts to come from Absolutely. all of you. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you, um, um, Bella. I do appreciate that. And we have reached out to all 35 people in the, um, the Agile um, um, Principles community, and I've got very big responses. So um, for our listeners, looking forward to listen to each of the Agile People Principles from our, um, our contributors um, across the world and from our main contributor, Pia Maria Thoren, from Sweden. She's the founder and inspiration director of agilepeople.com. We will bring her here. Don't worry, she's here for a future episode. It's a very big treat for that to happen, but equally, um, as you just heard with um, Bala, um, we've had a fasc fascinating insight on just one of those principles, and it will continue. I'm sure of that. So I would like to thank um, Bala, to, to Vera, to Flo. Um, I wish our listeners a pleasant day ahead and look forward to to speaking to you again soon. All the best. Bye-bye. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye.